Thank you for watching Deep Cuts Live. We're tuning in today. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Howard Gums. He is the owner of Howard G Cigars. So this is a new brand that I discovered last summer when I was at the PCA trade show. Um, you know, he's done some work with some athletes. He has uh, a cigar named the Magic Stick, which if, if you are a uh, Little Kim or um, 50 Cent fan, you probably have heard of that song. So we're going to talk about that definitely um, in today's interview. But very interesting brand. And if you're curious about learning about a new brand that you may not have heard about that you definitely should try, you're going to love today's episode. So let's get to today's guest. Mr. Howard G., welcome to Deep Cuts. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, like I was I was telling you before we went live, you were on my list of people that I wanted to get on the show because I'm always excited to, to hear and learn about new brands in the industry. So um, when I was at PCA, walking around back and forth, uh, I saw that you're, you had a, a pretty good-sized booth. And you had a, a lot of action going on in that booth, basically, I think, the whole show. So I was like, this is a bit, I was like taking out my little notepad. And I was like, Howard G is one of those people to watch. So I am so happy that you're able to come on the show today. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what I want to do is get to know you because I don't really know your story. I've heard bits and pieces of it. Um, I, I've been doing my little research today, especially uh, listening to this other podcast that you were on, but. I want to learn a little bit about your story and then dive into your cigars that you make as well. Um, and I know a lot of people tend to start your story kind of uh, with uh, you being in a cigar shop meeting Avo, and we're going to get to that. But I want to go back a little bit further and thinking like when you were growing up, did you ever think that you will be making like a business out of cigars? As a, as, a, as a child, no. I've always been an entrepreneur and wanted to do that. And so uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, and so I've always been business-oriented from, from a little kid. Uh, the cigar side did not become uh, an actual viable option for me until the time that I met uh, Mr. Alvin. He put that bug in my head. Uh, but before that, I've had other businesses. And I, and I still currently still do other businesses currently as well. So I've done a lot of network, the network marketing realms. Um, I have license for, for insurance and different things like in that nature. So um, it's always been a, an entrepreneur's guide for myself from an early age. But the key thing for me is that I've always met a client at the cigar bar. If the client smoked cigars or didn't have an issue with cigars, I would prefer to meet them at Cigar bar than to meet them at the office, and uh, mm -hmm. you know even if they didn't smoke a cigar, if I can get them a drink, at least I can get them to let their hair down. Before you know it, a thirty-minute supposed to be consultation or a conversation will turn into you know what, man, you all right, man? We need to might go watch a game or two, or and now you build more of a relationship instead of just you know talking strictly about business. And then you and then and then uh, for me things started to to. Um, I would say expand from there with, you know, with referrals and different things like that. So, but it always, it originally started from uh, just having an entrepreneurial mindset. Not, just not, it wasn't in my mind as a kid for cigars. I think it'd be weird if you were a kid and you were thinking about, <laughs> you know, cigars anyway. But, but did you, you mentioned your father a few minutes ago, like where did this entrepreneurial spirit come from? Because I know for a lot of people, they, it does come from their parents. Sometimes it comes from their grandparents. Where did yours kind of originate from? My, mine came from my father. My father, uh, my name is Howard Gums Jr. So my father, he, uh, he passed away in, in 2019, but he was such a, um, an astute businessman. I, I remember being five years old, knowing my way around the Orlando International Airport. Uh, he used to have his own limousines company. And mm -hmm. so, you know, being a little small kid walking around the airport, seeing everybody, seeing my dad, hey, Mr. Coles, and I'm walking around with him. In my mind, I was thinking, you know, when I got older, I was going to be taking over his company. That was my mindset mm -hmm. at that particular time. And so, but that's where that entrepreneur spirit came from, watching my dad interact with all walks of life, all types of corporate 
individuals, business individuals on all different levels. And so that was something that, that was a uh, it was appealing to me. And so and being the, the youngest out of his six, you know, um, I was the one that kind of veered in his direction as well. Well, I think that's great that you had a father that kind of like said uh, stood as a good example for you about yeah, entrepreneurship and stuff like that, because not everyone is fortunate to have that. So um, for you to be able to, to use that as your foundation, this I'm, I'm sure you treasure that. that Absolutely. Ability. Absolutely. It's not a day. It's not a day goes by that I'm not you know thankful um, that I was able to have the, the type of upgrade upbringing that I've had pretty much that's the foundation of my life, you know, um, coming from good soil. So I'm appreciative that I had that, you know, when you look, you look around, honestly, um, and travel as much as I do, you see all walks of life, you notice that, you know, no matter how bad things can be, it's always someone out there or a lot of people out there that's it's even worse. You know, and so when you sit back and I look back at it, um, I mean, it kills me that my dad's not here anymore, but then I look back and I have a conversation with someone that never knew their dad, you know what I mean? Or, you know, their dad died when they were an infant. So I sit back and I'm like, you know what, man? It's never, it's always, it's not as bad as you always think it is, you know? And mm -hmm. so um, I kind of just think about stuff like that and always try to keep a positive mindset of knowing like hey there's always everybody is not the same it's always going to be you know always somebody that has a worse situation try to keep an upbeat attitude try to always look at the glass and have full and keep a positive mindset especially in these days and, and that's why i love honestly being around the cigar bar because typically you know this, I, I personally think you, you don't find bad people at the cigar bar. Poor people are typically like, you know, you know, even if they just got off of work, they're so excited to get there and light that cigar and like mm -hmm. unwind. But then you have people that's there that's smoking multiple cigars. And it's always typically, for the most part, just a positive environment. You know, and so, you know, being around stuff like that, when you look at other stuff that's going on, you'd be like, man. You know, this is a good, this is a good uh, environment to be in, in my book. Yeah, and I like what you said uh, a few minutes ago as well about how you would bring clients to the cigar bar mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of get them out of that business environment, like the office setting, because, you know, not a lot of, of work really happens, I think, in offices, you know, mm -hmm. when it, turn, it comes to client relationships and stuff like that, because it's so formal and they have expectations coming into that space. So you're completely changing their expectation by taking them, like you said, to such a, a strange at times environment that a cigar bar can, can be and getting them to like relax. Yeah. And I'm, and that, I'm sure that's, that's when the deals really happen when you can actually get them to relax and say, okay, this guy's, you know, he, he's cool. He, he's smoking cigars. He's, he's willing to buy me a cigar. He's introduced me to cigars or he's buying me a drink. That's, this is a completely different side of business. I think a lot of people kind of miss miss out on um, on their way to hustling. Absolutely, no, I agree one thousand percent. It's 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 something that I try to do four or five times a week. Um, I, I always like to make sure I, if I can some type of meeting. You know, if I'm in Orlando, is a one of the spots in Orlando. I try to always have my meetings somewhere around there. Um, if not, if I'm not at my office, I prefer to always be have somebody at me. Even if it's in the morning time. I mean, we have so many cigars on our line that we make. We have cigars that we call the breakfast thing. So if I meet somebody for a cup of coffee early in the morning time, I want to meet them somewhere with a cigar, you know. And just typically, that's how we start off. I, I personally start off my day, start off my afternoons, depending on what time it is, because you need to really see a difference from an individual once you cut that cigar and smoke it more than if you had like a 30 minute lunch, you know, you're trying to eat and all that. But when you're going to smoke a cigar and have some coffee or however, you, you people just tend to, I guess, let down their hair 
if that makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And no matter what time of day it is, it just I just found out that I get more production out of doing it those times if I can if I can evolve a cigar. Definitely. Now, this is the part of the story that, like I said, I hear a lot when I was doing my research of you about how Avo inspired you or helped launch you into the cigar industry as a profession. Like, so talk about meeting him and what, how faithful, you know, that meeting was like, how did that launch you into actually taking this from being just a hobby to being like a business? I, I, well, I'll tell you this. I, I call Albo Papa. Albo is just, you know, being the fact that I was able to meet, I call, you know, you, you're talking about the Mount Rushmore of the cigar industry, right? And, and in my mind, my personal opinion, I look at the top four is uh, Mr. Mr. Padron, Mr. Fuente, Mr. Davidoff, and Albo. Those are like my Mount Rushmore of cigars. So when I... When I finally got a chance to meet him, it was really it was about 15 years ago. And uh, it was at Corona Cigar, which is on Sand Lake Road uh, in Orlando, Dr. Phillips. And that actually used to be the Avo Lounge. But when I met him, he was about 85, turning 86 around there. So he was on his last end of driving. And um, but he would sit outside Corona's maybe four or five nights a week in a window between, let's say, 5 o'clock to 6.30 or 7 o'clock like that. I don't one and a half, two-hour window. And um, it was so awesome because you were sitting out, outside with a living legend. Like, this guy wrote Strangers in the Night. You know, like, every time he um, he sold his company to Davidoff, but every, every time he came out with a birthday, 87, 88, 89, he had limited edition boxes you know, of cigars with different piano, musical, different styles, and a limited edition. But just hanging around him, he was just such a smooth gentleman. And uh, he took a liking to me because I'm a drummer. So when he found out that I play drums, you know, we used to just sit out there and talk and stuff like that. And as we got, as I got, um, you know, got later on in life, someone would bring him the Corona after he wasn't driving anymore. And he was 91... It was, his, it was after the 91st birthday. We were sitting outside of Corona, and um, he would always go in his bag and hand me this special cigar that uh, I, I really enjoyed. It was called the Avo Chubby. And, uh, and I was always thanking for that cigar. We would sit out there with a group of people. And uh, one night, he was sitting there, and he goes, Howie? And I said, yes, sir, Papa. He goes, you should be in the cigar business. So I turned around, like, he was talking to somebody else named Howie, because this that was nothing on my mind. And I go, well, why do you say that to me? And he pointed at me. He said, you love the people like I love the people. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, man, that's, that's pretty deep right there. And so, make a long story short, about six months after that, he passed away. And uh, we had his celebration of life in that same parking lot of Corona Sand Lake. And uh, I remember being there and you know, it was a very great event. So many people came out to pay their respects. And all we did was talk about how we smoked all those cigars and just talked about how great of a man he was and things like that. And um, about six months after that, a, my buddy came in town who lives out of my, lives in Miami and uh, came to see me at Corona. He beat me there. And when I got there, by the time I got over there to him, it was about 25 minutes had passed since I had walked in the door, and he goes, dude, he's like, I've been waiting for you for 25 minutes once you walked through the door. You're the, you're the mayor here. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the case. He goes, you ever thought about making a cigar? So what's crazy is that brought up and made me think. I said, wow. I said, man, that's what, you know, my papa told me. That's what Albo told me before he passed. He was like, well, well, you know, my brother, we do own, you know, 50% of a large uh, factory, you know, in Esteli, he's like, I'll make a cigar for you, you're my buddy. You know, I, so I went from there, and that's how much the whole scenario started for the cigar but, now, the, you, but the first seed was from August. Now, when he, he told you he had a factory, it was in Esteli, and 
and such. And did you go down to Esteli or did you kind of? Yeah, so so the thing about it is, is that I already knew about cigars from him. Mm-hmm. I was always getting cigars. Like, they send me cigars, I buy cigars, stuff like that. I'll go down to Miami, hang out with them. Um, but the main thing was, it never, never crossed the mindset, like, talking of, like, a business side of it. He had to bring that to me because it never crossed my, my mind. Um, but when that started, I said, well, listen, number one, you know, I started to do my own negotiations with him. He's like, listen, Howie, you're like my, one of my best friends. Like, it'll be an honor to make a cigar, and, you know, and do your blends. So went down there, um, had a great time. The problem is, once you got stuff going, after that is when the COVID situation happened. So, right. so I'm technically, I'm working out. I first of all, I don't know if you know, I have the uh, the Black Moses uh, series, Majestic Lyric series, and I have my All Pro series with my, my athletes. So it's COVID time now. I'm sitting there working out. Me and Ike Taylor are working out. And um, and, my, and he hits me up and goes, hey, bro, you know you got these cigars, man. He's like, you're not doing anything. At least just take some, get some, start smoking them, start, you know, getting them out there. And I was like, okay, excellent idea. And so I got cigars. I took 500 individuals that I knew smoked cigars, and I sent them cigars with instructions of how I want them to smoke, and I wanted them to give me their feedback. And so that's really how I launched it during the COVID time because I couldn't go back over there because of the whole two, three weeks time of waiting. And we didn't know, you know, how bad the disease was or whatever that was. So that, so from that point on, everything has been going great for us. But we did have a little slow, you know, getting started part that's, that slowed us down from COVID. Yeah, I was just asking about Esteli because a couple of weeks ago, I came back from Pure Sabor, so the Nicaraguan Cigar Festival. Yeah, so I know that that's, um, you know, before I went there, I knew what to kind of expect because I had been to uh, cigar festivals before and I was interested in seeing the factories and how they all operate. And I know that people who have never been to a cigar factory, they just think it's a factory. And, you know, mm-hmm. and Americans have a certain idea of what a factory looks like and what it is. But you don't know what a cigar factory is until you really have seen it, you know, and mm-hmm. And the thing is, for me, and maybe this is just my opinion, but no cigar factory is ever the same. Like each one has a different vibe. Each one has a different process. You know, there's some that are super huge and spread out everywhere. And then there's other ones that are really small, but they get just as much done. So I like that's like one of the interesting parts for me is being able to see and 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 to see how the factory works. I can imagine how interesting it was for you to not only see how it works, but to actually kind of be part of that process and, and being able to say like, okay, no, let's try this. And you don't have to wait a week or two for a new sample to come out. And like, we're going to make it right here, here, smoke it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll I tell you this too. Um, seeing the, 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 the amount of, like you said, there's certain factories, there's small factories. You have a lot, you have huge factories that you have, like I would say middle, medium-sized factories. So mm-hmm. like the factory where our cigars are made, there's there are 330 people that's that 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 roll cigars there. 330, mm-hmm. 340 around there. So we what what what's pretty cool is is seeing how many people are now over to rolling our line now. You know what I mean? How it is increased. So now we're right at 30. That's uh thirty. It's thirty people that their whole job there and in, in, uh, at that factory is just to roll our line, and because they do it, they do it in pairs. So mm-hmm. yeah, fifteen pairs, you know. Uh, and so we're like, okay. So I got another goal to get, you know, a, a certain amount more and a certain amount more. But that just lets us know how you how we're growing and how production is going. And but another thing is, but just seeing the. Certain factories, but but this particular one, are they also have aged tobacco? That's that was one thing that I really enjoyed 
seeing um, is the fact that they have tobacco that is extremely aged. So now you, you have a choice, you know, um, kind of like if you want, you know, this aged tobacco, you know, if you want just regular, you got a choice however you want them to, to blend it for you. Um, and I've been blessed to have a master blender that's been doing it for 40 plus years. So, you know, he's like, hey, how, well, how about you try it with this one? You know, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm always open, but it's a certain thing I'm looking for. And um, i tell you this, when we did the, the blend for Ike Taylor and also Leon Cersei, one of the one of the most important things for us is that I know there's a lot of other athletes that have cigars out there, but they're not known for having great cigars. And so one of the things we wanted to do is make sure that the cigars were perfectly uh, made to the liking of each one of the guys. So mm -hmm. to see Ike Taylor go through 40 different cigars and not, you know, not knowing what each one is, but we having everything written down. And all he is doing is giving us his actual, you know, profile. You know, uh, I like this one a little bit, Howie. You know, I really like this one. And as we're narrowing it down, we're narrowing it down, we finally put together what is known as the Ike Taylor one-of-a-kind blend. So the original one has the Sumatra wrapper. We also got 20% tobacco from the Amish Lancaster from PA because he's a stiller. But that particular cigar is his blend. Now, when we just released in September, a Connecticut, uh, one of the one of a kind, we already just took the Ike Taylor's blend, put it with a Connecticut wrapper on there, and he wanted a torpedo to be on the tip and turn it into a torpedo. Now, we released that as his breakfast cigar, and we put his um, his college alma mater in that one, that, in that red box. Now, with Leon Cersei, Big Cersei was an office lineman, real big guy. And so his cigar is, is a 60 by 8 and 3 fourths. But <laughs> it was designed like that because, you know, the office lineman, when they play ball, they're the ones that's in the, they're hitting all game. They're, that's one position that they hit every play, you know. And so we wanted to make a cigar that gave you four quarters of a punch so you can watch the whole game. And that was the design for Leon Cersei that gave his blend. So at the factory, what's neat is it's an actual blend. That's the Leon Cersei blend. So then when we released the Little Cersei, we took the same blend and just we put it in a smaller size of 58 by five and a half. So now you have the big Cersei and the Little Cersei. So our key thing was making sure that our athletes, it wasn't like, hey, let me, you know, send me some cigars or some samples. No, you're going to go down to Miami with us, and then we're going to sit down in, the, in, in, the, in a warehouse, and then we're going to go through a whole bunch of blends, and then we're going to find out what's your taste, but what kicks with you. Because my thing is, if it's, if it's your favorite cigar, as a legend, you know, I can sell it to the masses from there. But the key thing is, it's, it had to be your favorite cigar. And so that's what we were able to do with those two gentlemen. And then the Black Moses line and the Magic Stick line are just phenomenal blends we put together first. Just letting that go, just to, to fulfill the portfolio the way we wanted it in the industry. Because if you if you smoke as much as we do, you know, you have different types of things you smoke throughout the day, depending on what the time, you know. Mm -hmm. You're smoking early in the day. You're smoking at the evening time. If, if you're smoking and you're having a cup of coffee, if you're smoking and you're going to have a wine, if you're smoking and you're going to have a scotch, it's so different different types of ways, you know, if you want to smoke something stronger or lighter or however. So we try to take the time to make sure we put it out there right um, and let the product age as well, you know, before we get it out there to the, to the, to the marketplace. Now, I was in one of the other interviews that you have done, you were talking about how when you were starting to work on these blends, you had some cigars in mind that you had smoked in the past that kind of maybe inspired uh, how you wanted to approach these blends. Like what were some of those cigars that kind well, of, that were kind of like your favorites that you said, Ooh, if I ever have to make my own cigar, I'm going to make one that's, you know, kind of like this. Oh, it's one, it's one particular cigar in general. So the very first blend was the Black Moses Maduro. 
My favorite cigar is Padron 80. So I wanted something that was, to me, that was comparable, like the Padron 80 year, that we can where we can retail it at a better price point. Um, and so that's where, if you look at the the, the, the Black Moses Maduro and Natural, it's a box press for Figurado. So it's a 58 box press, but it's still shaped similar to the Padron 80 year. Not that same, they got a proprietary blend on that particular shape, so you can't actually get an exact shape. But... That's a cigar that if you smoke it and you smoke it for John 80 year, you smoke it back and back, you'll be like, okay, I can see where we're going with this. Because it's a phenomenal cigar. It's still our number one selling cigar. Um, and uh, But we also came out with the natural, which is the exact same way. It's the same binder, same filler. Only difference is we put a two-year age Cabano wrapper on it where the, other, where, where the Maduro has the San Andreas Maduro wrapper. So those were the very two... Um, Black Moses cigars that I came out with. Those were very true in the beginning. Now we've now we've increased on the Black Moses line um, with the Black Moses Limited, which is uh, the only that's round. It's round, but it still is tapered on the end with a little rabbit tail on the on the, on the, on the other end. And that one uh, is a beautiful cigar. It sells really really well. And then we, I took that same blend and put a Connecticut wrapper on it. And just re released in September the Black Moses Blanco, which is the limited Blanco, same blend as that with a Connecticut wrapper. So we're pretty much um, expanding uh, the different cigars to, to, to reach the different uh, genres or, or the different palettes that individuals have. Because once you go um, where we're at now, I start to pay attention to the market penetrations and stuff. And, you know, the Magic Stick lines. You know, we have a lot of cigars that are they're more in the Toro size, you know. Mm -hmm. But then there's a there's a there's a niche for that 58 or that 60 ring gauge cigar in, in other markets as well. So what we do is try to pay attention to you know which markets you know do what. It didn't give a person an option, um, you know, which way they want to go. Now, do your blends? primarily feature Nicaraguan tobacco, or is it uh, dependent on what line you're talking about, or does it kind of differ? Like, do you have some that are more Dominican-based, some that are Honduran-based? So right now, currently, we have um, what that we've already released. That's all Nicaraguan uh, blends, mostly mm -hmm. Nicaraguan blends. Um, some have uh, Pennsylvanian tobacco in it as well, like the Lancaster. Um, but we do right, right now. We have something that we're releasing next month uh, for P. Uh, I'm sorry, TPE. We're so we'll be releasing in that March a new blend, and that particular blend will be coming out. Will be um, Dominican Republic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, because I always wonder, you know, why people choose, you know, certain countries to kind of focus their blends on, you know, because when you look at the data that comes in, like I think Nicaragua is still the last report I saw was still the top importer of cigars. So it makes perfect sense, you know, to have most of your production and, and blends based on Nicaraguan. But there are those who, who prefer, you know, the more Dominican or or even Honduran kind of based blend. So I'm always curious, especially with companies like you, because I know that operating in all these different countries can somewhat be expensive. Or, or hard uh, to get the tobacco, you know, from there to, to there, and it, it, it's a challenge. Well, well the, the good thing is, you're, you're right about that, but the good thing is, a certain fact, if you're dealing with a factory that's big enough, they can get tobacco from anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the good thing about the factory in Nicaragua there. Um, but like you said, uh, what is it, Honduran? Tobacco is definitely on the rise. There's a lot of blends that are coming out with that. Um, that has good Honduran tobacco. Matter of fact, Oscar, Oscar Valderas, he has amazing uh, Honduran tobacco. Um, but um, you're right, DR. For, for me, I look at it a little different. Um, so when you look back at cigars in, in, the previous, in the previous years, everything was about Cubans, 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 Cubans. So people were making it seem like Cubans were the best thing ever known to man. But all nationality, what it really was is that you couldn't get it. 
Right. So when you can't get something, the demand for it is extremely high because you can't really get it. So, oh, yeah, I want to have that. But then once, you know, you're able to get it, and then, you know, the people that are that have unlimited supply of Cubans, they want to smoke, they want to smoke the Nicaraguans. They want to smoke other stuff. And so what I've like to what I've done is start to pay attention to the different tobaccos that's in in the in, in the cigar blades. So like you can blindfold me, you can give me an all Dominican cigar, you can give me an all Nicaraguan, you can give me an all Cuban, blindfold me. And I can actually smoke, you know, take a few puffs, and you can ask me which one it is, and I can pretty much 95% of the time get all of them right because they have this distinctive notes or taste, even smells. If I'm talking if you're doing all Cuban, all Honduran, I mean, uh, Nicaraguan, or all um, Dominican, they have different tastes and smells. Uh, aromas when, when you like the cigar for me. Um, but like you said, it's like you might love chicken, right? I might love steak. Let's say I, he definitely loves fish. I eat all three of them, but it depends on what day we're at. Right. Today I'm, I'm feeling more like a DR, Dominican Republic, so and I'm going to want that taste. Mm-hmm. You know, and same thing, vice versa with the, with the, with the other ones. So, this next question is like more over overview because um, I always think when people want to get into this industry, like it's a very hard industry, I think, to kind of get into because it's not cheap. Uh, it takes a lot of patience because <laughs> you're not going to have lots of success right away. You know, retailers uh, have only but so much space in their humidors. So you really have to, you know, it's almost like Game of Thrones. You really have to go in there and really prove to them why they need to bring in your brand. So when you were kind of creating this company, Howard G Cigars, what did you know or think that you could do differently from other companies that would give you that kind of advantage or that will make you competitive um, in comparison, like just like the, a company that's been around for a while or even a newer company that's just come on uh, to the scene? Oh, my, my tip, well, that'd be a great question. Um, we look at, our process, and so our process is a little different um, than a lot of companies that's been around a long time. A lot of companies that's been around a long time, they just want to. They want. They're, they're about mass production, so they want to get the product, and they just want to move it extremely fast as possible. When you have sophisticated smokers or people that's been smoking, they can sit there and smoke the cigar and say, "It's not ready yet. It's, it's, it's still a little young. It needs to wait a little longer," and stuff like that. So one of the things. That I particularly do is when I'm sitting down with a you know owner of a, of a, of a retail shop um, is we sit down and smoke with them, sit down and smoke with them, um, and and talk to them right while we're smoking the cigar. That's the best thing possible to, to be at with the person that actually can taste cigars. Because a lot of times the owner might not be able to taste it. They have a specific manager or somebody that's their person that can. So I tell that's people that all the time. The person that you want to sit down with. And I'll uh-huh. give you an example. i give you an example. Like here in Orlando, Corona Cigars is everywhere, right? There's four different locations currently. It's going to open up another one by the end of the year. I pay attention to the sales reps on the cigar side. That's who I talk to. Because those are the ones that their job the whole time is when you walk in, because there's a huge humidity there, and there's Millions of cigars for somebody to choose from, you know, it's 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 for you to make sure that they smoke the cigar. They, you know, they smoke a few of them, and then they can turn around and say, "Man, oh my God, you know what, Howie? This reminds me of this. Hey, Howie, I taste this, I taste that, and I just look at them. I say, okay, awesome. So now, when somebody walks into that store, and they're like, "Hey, I'm I'm not from around here." Show me something that you recommend that is going to be mild. Or send me something that you're going to recommend that's going to be medium. But the, those cigar reps are going to go to what they what they typically smoke. And then lead them right over there to, to that. So I personally try to deal with the, 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 the person that makes the decision 
but the person that also has the palate on the cigars because those are the ones that will help you with when it comes to the with the product on the shelf. Because typically, if you go to a place and they don't really know your product, at, they're not going to give you good sh- uh, spacing. You know, yeah, shelf. Like, we have a space right down there at the bottom. <laughs> Somebody literally has to go to your shop and say, hey, do you carry Howard G. Cigars? For them to say, oh, yeah, we do. We, we carry it. But if you're not in, especially these huge stores, you know, exactly. you, you can completely get lost in there. So that's one of the, the big things for me is talking to the guys that work there, walking there as a manufacturer and hand, hand those guys cigars. Because the, the, the number one marketing way in my mind is to put a cigar in everybody's hand and let them smoke it. That's why I believe in TP, TPE and, and PCA shows. We've been there uh, the last three years on, on to, to both shows. And, um, and the reason that's why I go there for is to make sure that I can meet a person, individual like yourself and I can hand you a cigar and you can turn around and light the cigar and now guess what? You smoke the cigar and maybe if we meet up later at the, at the round bar where everybody else hangs out at after the show, you can say, man, you know what? I really, I really enjoyed the one that you gave me, the Black Moses Maduro. And I'm like, oh, really? And I can reach in the back and say, well, try the natural now. You know? Right. And so that's that's why those shows have been really good for us uh, because we've been getting the product in the hands of somebody who never smoked it. Oh, the name sounds good, Black Moses. But the name sounds good, but that don't mean they're going to break it in their shop, right? right. So now they go ahead and smoke it. Now they're like, hmm, I really like this cigar. So now from there, we can, you know, make things happen. We do a lot of events. We do a lot of private events. Um, and, and then having the, my, my, my athletes, uh, Leon and I, do a lot of different things involving, you know, the teams that they played with. You know, so a lot of times we do a lot of private events too. But it's not more important, more fun for me to to see the whole Jacksonville Jaguars having a golf tournament and they're all smoking, you know, the cigars or or the Steelers, you know, having different golf tournaments and different things like that. And Ike says, how we send this many cigars over here, send them to this particular. Because all these guys, they're getting the cigars in their hand and they're going to play golf or they're doing different types of charity events and they're sending us tons of pictures. Like, hey, man, we really like this particular cigar. Oh, man, this one was really cool. So that's my favorite thing. It's just getting it in the hands of somebody. As long as you smoke it, hey, that's the best kind of marketing we can get. Yeah, and I, th- I think that brings up a- another good point, which is, you know, here in 2023, like it's, we're living this in a completely different world than we were even a, a year ago or even yeah. five or 10 years ago when a lot of the more established cigar companies first came on about. Like we have this discussion all the time about, you know, back in 2001, you know, if you had a new cigar, you just ponied up the money and you advertise a print ad and people read that magazine or whatever magazine it was. And they went out and they bought it and you had to keep doing the ads a couple, like a year or two and, and to really establish. But now it's different. I don't know if people, I don't know if people discover cigars from magazines. Uh, I don't even know if they discover them. They're starting to not even discover them from Instagram like they used to because it's like Instagram is, is kind of showing its age and you, you know, and it's like, so it's, it's coming increasingly challenging for companies um, to get in front of people. Like you said, so the, these events are just crucial because that's like the only way you're going to really, uh, like you said, get your product in the hands of people. And also with all the media that comes to these events, it's like your, your, it's like your Super Bowl, <laughs> you know, you get the retailers, you meet the media at the same time, you know, you, you do what you kiss the babies, you, you kiss the hands, kiss the rings. And, and that's it. I mean, you have to like, you're on your own for the rest of the year. Well, you know, you know, I, you're absolutely right. But, but something about what you said that makes so much sense to me is, but if, if being a, a small company that's just started a baby company, you want to meet, first of all, it's not many companies that are new that's going to pony up to push out the kind of money we're pushing out to be the size booths and the different things that we're having putting together at mm-hmm. PCA 
and stuff like that. So, but when we're looking at it, we're looking at it as far as, listen, I'm not going to be in what you call Kansas anytime soon. But <laughs> right. somebody that just came to a booth who has nice size storage there and ended up having a conversation with us and really enjoyed the conversation, had some of the cigars, came back the following day and put a nice size order in and says, I really like the cigars. You know, I want to get some more for my for my uh, for my employees, but we want to we want to do a nice size order now so we can already give y'all y'all space there. And so now we're like, wow, you know, but that happens at the show. That happens when you're meeting people and you're having a conversation or they're they're liking the logo or they're liking, of course you see, you know, if you're still a fan and you know Ike or you football fan, you know Leon and that that mm-hmm. just also just helps as well. But the main thing is just meeting people. Just if you like people, you know, cigar business, you can't be in the cigar business and not like people. Because if you don't go <laughs> to your own profession, I mean should be in the funeral business or something like that if you don't like it. <laughs> but like for me, I sit there and, and, and like you said, shake hands and kiss babies. And you know, it's like it's just mm-hmm. awesome to, to talk and and uh and tell them about your, your craft, tell them about what's exciting for you, tell them how what's you know different differentiates your brand from the next brand or, or, or why you you're in the industry. And um and the next thing is, you know, being able to have a lot of friends that are, you know, VP of sales and director of sales for a lot of the large, large companies out there that literally smoke the cigars or, you know, you know, send me a call or send me a picture smoking the cigar and says, by the way, Howie, I want to get give you these names right here. So these these are some other names. I want you to call them. I've already told them about your cigar. Uh, you call them and go ahead and, and, and get get over in there, you know, and stuff like that. And so it becomes it becomes like you know a family, you know. Yeah, so definitely. You know, I can't complain with that, man. It's just we got so many uh, good friends and and, and, uh, and brothers out there, and that's just you know, hey man, check out my buddy cigar. My buddy's doing really well. Blah blah blah. He's up and coming. He's coming strong. They're, 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 I smoke their cigars a lot. You know, and so it just be the just relationships because I still smoke. Uh, I have buddies that have you know a lot of different cigars out in their companies, and I still smoke. I still smoke my Pajol eighty years. Still, still smoke them. I smoke them. I smoke Adebayes. I smoke. I'm a cigar smoker. That's what I I I I, I enjoy. And so, yeah, and I, think I think it's important too for anyone working in the cigar industry to smoke other people's cigars because like that's like research, you know, like people always ask me in media, like, do you have a, a favorite cigar? And I was like, not really because I'm always trying something different. You know, it's like, if you're not trying something different, then how can you, you know, improve on what you're doing? Like you said, you might find a cigar that you say, wow, this is a great cigar, but you know, I think I can do it a little bit better or at a better price point. You know, and and people love this cigar. I saw people, you know, snatching up in the, in the humidor at Corona, you know. But it's 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 only a certain clientele because they can they can, you know they're the only ones who can afford it or they're the only ones who know about it. So I think that's completely you know makes complete uh, sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I, for people who have watched Deep Cuts over the years, they know I'm a, I'm a big music fan. So I have to say, like when I was looking at your your website and your stuff today, Magic Stick stood out to me because it's like one of my for for people people don't know, but I actually really lo- do like Little Kim's music. Um, <laughs> so I I saw Magic Stick and I was like, wait, Magic Stick? I thought of Little Kim and Fifty Cent yep. that song. So <laughs> where does that name come from? I'm sure it's not inspired by a song because that's a completely different. <laughs> no, but I love, I love music as well. So um, I, I was 18 years old and I was playing drums at a church and I had a job interview at Toyota of Orlando, which is a, a big dealership. Um, and so 
on Sundays, back then I was 18, but back then I wore, you know, suits. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, so my had a red suit, similar to like a Steve Harvey suit, like, you know, the long button down <laughs> suit. Uh-huh. I had red Stacey Adams. And uh, so I went to the interview because I left church and went to the interview. So when I get there, this is 2002, 2002. So I'm in the dealership. And while I'm waiting for my interview, the man, the, the head guy behind the desk, he comes out because they're playing on the on the loudspeaker. They're playing the magic stick. So I got the magic stick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I never forget his name is Mo Salah. He comes out there. He goes, "This guy is hired." He said, "He's hired." I don't care what nobody say. He's already hired. He's got the magic stick. And he's a PIMP. Literally a five-minute interview. They hired me, and they called me Magic Stick. And so then I sold. I was uh, 18, 19 years old, selling 25, 30 cars a month. And that's the name name that they gave me, the Magic Stick. (laughs) So what's funny is this. So those same managers now, 20 plus years later, come into Corona and they see me and they say, Magic Stick. And people look, they're like, I say, matter of fact, see, he was there when I got hired 20 years ago. <laughs> and so they'll come in and they still call me that. And it came from that song off of the, uh, off of that, yeah. But it was crazy. I mean, it was this <laughs> true story. Wow. Well, it's not a bad thing to have the magic stick, I guess. <laughs> but uh, that's a great story because I was looking at that and I was like, the only place I've ever heard that was like, like I said, that 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 song. It's like one of those. Now it's like an old school song that I don't think even people have have heard. But when I was growing up, like you heard it all the time when it first came oh, out. When it came out, it was it was a hit. It that's was because it was. It originally. And then it was a remix with Queen B on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that one was actually better, the one with, with her on it, you know? So it was really good. Wow. <laughs> well, that's a, uh, like I said, that's a great story. Um, at this point in the show, I usually like to kind of wrap up uh, our, our interview with some questions that I ask everyone. The first of those questions is, um, do you have a philosophy that you live by? Just in cigar business or just in life? Just in life. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Treat people like you want to be treated. Do you believe in karma? (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) I I believe in treating people right and it'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. I try to be. I try to always like. People rarely see me upset, unless it's my Dallas Cowboys and Florida State Seminoles losing football. That's the only thing that really gets me upset. But other than that, I'm typically happy. And the reason I am so happy is because you never know who you're talking to or who you're going to meet. And there was a it was a passage I read a long time ago, and it was like you don't know by having a conversation with someone and you being positive to them, you don't know how that can affect them. You know what I mean? It change their mindset for the better. So they'll tell you, when I'm at Corona, I talk to everybody, from the janitors that come in and smoke a cigar, to I have uh, CEOs of Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000 companies sitting at the same table with me, and, and there's no difference in how I treat them. I talk trash in one, I talk trash in the other. Like, you know, but it's just an uplifting environment, you know, where I try to, you never know. I try to, you know, leave somebody with a better, um, leave them with a better thought on their mind than, than in, uh, in the beginning. You never know what a person is going through. That's what I always, I started realizing that, especially after the COVID stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You started seeing a lot of people. So I got buddies. I'm like, hey man, what's going on, man? Hi, right, Howie. Bad day. What's wrong? Tell me what's wrong with your day. Then they turn around and get it off the chest, and I say, man, 
I said, all right, well, listen. That was that was the day. Tomorrow is gonna be a better day, you know. And we'll see how it is. And you know what? I see the person the next day, and they be upbeat. Hey, Harry, what's up? I was like, oh man, it's a better day, right? It's like, yeah, man, thanks for talking to me. And I dap them up and keep it moving. That's it. It's just trying to make somebody's day better, or you know, look at the glass and half full instead of half empty. Great. Um, the last question is. I want you to finish this sentence. Howard G is. Ah. So many things I can finish it with. And pick one. Howard G is a man for the people. Good answer. Man of the people. I definitely feel uplifted from this conversation. Like <laughs> <laughs> I tell people, like it was like is I always look forward to these conversations because, like I said, I, I learned so much from people like you. Um, we've never had a conversation before today, but I feel you know it's, it's something that you can always take from everything. So your positivity, um, honestly, I think is, is probably your, your strength. I appreciate so, it. And, and being, you, you look like you're excited. You look like you're happy to be here. You're smiling. You know, you, you just answer the, these tough questions. Uh, um, so I think, like but I said, listen, I want to think. But look at it like this. You took time out of your schedule to reach out to us. So once it came to my attention and I said, well, what's, these are the dates? Okay. I said, well, I know I'm in town on this one. Then it was set up. Yep. So, so guess what? So I'm excited the fact that you're reaching out to us. So <laughs> now that I'm here, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely, you know, be excited and fired up because you didn't have to, you didn't have to take your time out to, to to bring us on. And so that's how I look at it. You know, it's just yeah, it's just man, how is he man of the people? <laughs> <laughs> well, man of the people, can you tell? Uh, all the people out here who aren't, who maybe aren't list watching this uh, on the different platforms, who may be just listening to this, can you tell people what website and what um, social media handles they need to follow in order to kind of get in touch with you and to follow your brand? Absolutely. Um, our website is howardgcigars.com, www.howardgcigars.com. Um, Instagram, it's at howardgcigars. And even on Facebook, it's Howard G. Cigars. Great. So hopefully everyone who's watching this will follow up and uh, try out Howard G. Cigars. <laughs>